Hello and welcome to another episode of the Godly Nerd Podcast, where we train soldiers to be better Christians and Christians to be better soldiers. I am your host, John Cooper, and uh, I am delighted to be on here. I apologize for this coming out a day late, but at least it won't be a dollar short. So um, we got a got a, had a busy week uh, this week with uh, work, just just a lot of stuff going on. So. Um, it took me a day late and I'm typically, this is why I do, um, every other week, but I really wanted to do every week leading up to the election, um, to help those and to aid those, um, who are listening. So we are in our series, um, voting with an open Bible. Again, if you're joining us for the first time, um, and this is your first one, this is a series I taught at my church um for Sunday school and uh, I just kind of wanted to do longer episodes I did it in 15 minute snippets or sound bites for them um while we were teaching with some question and answer time afterwards but here I'm doing a little bit more than that just kind of expanding on this um so it's a so it's a topic or a series that I think is really important um I think that it's something that a lot of Christians, as I learned through teaching, um, maybe I never thought of before, which really isn't their fault. It's kind of on the church. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, uh, I'm i just excited that we're doing this. So today's topic is the LBGTQIA plus agenda, um, which I typically refer to as the alphabet soup. Some refer to as the alphabet mafia. Um, this is something that, uh, yeah, this is something you're going to deal with, <laughs> not just in the voting booth. So before I got out of the army, started the short story before I got out of the army, I, uh, had to sit through a brief. Um, this is maybe two months before I got out sitting through a briefing on extremism in the military. And this was after the January 6th incident. Um, the president of the United, the current, the at the time president or current president of the United States, um, decided that he was going to do a extremism stand down. So instead of people training for their military duties, um, instead of people uh, actively seeking terrorism, which we would just pull out of Afghanistan anyways. Um, we would instead um, go into learning about extremism. And we had a lot of briefs, um, just kind of, it was kind of weird. It all came came about with the change of uh, regime. Um, and uh, yeah, it was it was interesting. And so I'm sitting through this briefing and I'm doing an internship at the time within the military. So, I was with more civilians than I was service members and we're going through this and we're going through the slideshows and it says prohibitions. This is army regulation 600 20 on extremism. And we're going through this briefing and the guy says, he's reading it, you know, that we cannot participate in groups that av- advocate intolerance of anyone's choice of sex. And I sat there and then he said, or um, choice of love or however, however you put it. And being the, you know, the gay lesbians, gay and lesbians. So, This is paragraph four, dash 12 alpha. Specific prohibitions. We cannot attend meetings that have these uh, with the knowledge of that involves extremism, which is being against someone's choice of gender or sex or fundraise. Can't give money. Can't recruit can't assume leadership can't distribute literature or receive financial assistance from a person or organization 
who advocates this. So I stood up. I rose my hand. It was a small group, so it wasn't a bunch of people. And I said, well, so I can't be in a leadership role of any of these organizations. I was like, what should I do if I if I find myself in one? Oh, you need to you need to tell your your leadership and you need to, you know, repent of the impartable sin. And I said, intolerance of someone's choice of gender or um uh you know choice of uh it's not gen- I'm trying I'm drawing a blank right now I'm sorry um intolerance of someone of being a gay or lesbian person and saying that is wrong I was like that is a church I was like the bible says that's wrong and I was like you're saying I can't attend meetings so I can't go to church you're saying I can't fundraise so I can't tithe you're saying I can't recruit which is evangelism you're saying I can't assume a leadership role, which I am. I was an elder at a church at the time. You're saying I can't distribute literature, um, which I do. Um, when I hand out a track or a Bible to someone, I was like, so are we going to round up all our chaplains? Room got real quiet. I said, are you going to arrest me or turn me in because I'm an elder at a church? And I was like, homosexuality is wrong. It's a sin. I was like, and, I, and, I'm, <laughs> and everyone's looking at me at this point. And, uh, and they're like, well, you know, they would never come after the church. That's crazy talk. Okay. That is when I realized that this movement, though I had always seen this movement, you know, they talked about, you can't discriminate against a gay, a gay soldier or a lesbian soldier. I'm like, okay, I'm not, if they can do their job, I wasn't going to not, um, give them a machine gun <laughs> to be on their post. Um, I saw a lot more lesbians in the military than I did gay men because I, because of the nature of my job, I was an infantryman. So most of the guys that, that we had with us were not of the gay variety. Um, but it was very clear that this, uh, movement had pushed its way into the military and we are now stopping training to tell people they can't go to church, even though we wouldn't say that, right? That's what was happening. And so this is something that is serious. This alphabet mafia, uh, the alphabet soup, um, they are really infiltrating every part of our society. And it is safe to say that as Christians, we should know that this is wrong, though that I would say that, but I've met many Christians who um, they don't believe that. They think that that part of the Bible is not right or that Jesus never talked about it. Um, and as a Christian, you know, if you're wondering how do I answer that question of, well, Jesus never talked about homosexuality. It's like, well, we believe in a triune God. We believe that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are are one. Um, though they are in three persons. And I would venture to say that if that is true, <laughs> which I believe it is, um, that when the Spirit moves or God speaks on the issue of homosexuality in other areas of the Bible, um, that that is also Christ speaking. Also Christ, when he talked about marriage, it's very clear that it's between a man and a woman. Um, so that argument doesn't hold water. It's just you trying to not stand firm on the word of God. Um, and this is an area where Christians are going to be attacked a lot. Um, abortion is, in my opinion, the most important uh, part of the election uh, and what our nation's policies are because we are murdering innocent babies. However, I do think this is the next in, of importance um, to have our military call people who uh, are against homosexuality because they are Christians uh, extremists is a dangerous start. 
um, though they are not kicking Christians out of the military <laughs> right now um, for holding this view, that does not mean that it's not coming. So homosexuality is a sin, period, end of story. And mostly as Christians, we know this, right? We know that we it is a sin, that we must not practice it, but we, but we also know that we live in a country where it is acceptable. And in America, it's not only accepted to give into homosexual homosexual sin, but it's praised. And part of this uh, victim, you know, critical theory victim group um, thing that you're now somehow a better person, the more of a victim you are, which is why we have so many weak people in our country. And so you gain some sort of social credit point for identifying as something other than what God created you and pursuing a sexual relationship that is outside God's design. You know, God designed sexual relationships between a man and a woman in the covenant of marriage. And so um, for us to seek to go outside of that design uh, brings forth as a Christian, God's chastisement. Um, And as a non-Christian brings, it just accumulates more of the wrath of God um, on your day of judgment. Um, And so we, uh, we do not want to shy away from this as Christians. We want to bring the word to them in love that it is a sin. And as Christians, I don't believe we're supposed to pick up picket signs and say, you're going to go to hell homo (laughs) or God hates the gays. I, I, I don't, I don't think that's the answer. Um, But on the flip side, we're also not to bury our heads in the sand and say, well, this is America. You can do what you want. I don't believe it, but I'm also not going to say anything about it. That's also not the right response. Um, And so the question is, what do we do as Christians? How do we fight this? You know, part of the tagline here is, is training Christians to be better soldiers. I mean, this is a, this is a point where Christians need to, you know, strap on the, the sword of the spirit and get ready to fight, get the chopping, right? Um, and so what I'm gonna what I want to talk about in this session, I'm not I'm not really gonna go into a long treatise as to why homosexuality is wrong is wrong. Um you can look at Romans one, which we are gonna read, um, and see that it is wrong. Uh you can look at I believe it's first Corinthians six. Receive the first Corinthians or second Corinthians six off the top of my head. Uh, you can look at the fact that homosexuality is wrong, that homosexuals and the effeminate are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. You can look at the Old Testament law, uh, the moral law of God, where it is clearly stated that homosexuality is wrong, uh, bestiality is wrong. Um, and so for us to just say we need to ignore that law. Um, or to not understand the threefold division of the law um, and say, well, the law also says we're not supposed to eat shellfish so, or to have our beards a certain length. So, um, you know, we don't follow that. So why would we follow this? I believe is, is ignorance um, of the threefold division of the law and what Christ came to fulfill, not abolish. Um, and as pastors and as teachers, it's becoming upon us to uh, to really show our people um, that, and if you're listening to this, you know, to show other Christians who may be struggling with this, uh, what is uh, the proper response we're to have? Uh, what is God saying? How do we how do we decipher the law of God um, and what we are to follow? Because in that same section of Scripture, I mean, we were talking about um, bestiality, which majority of people see is wrong um yet you say this is not wrong because it's where our society is and so in this session we're going to look at uh, we're going to point out the destruction to a society that homosexuality has when it's allowed to to run rampant um when a nation allows a sin to be prominent and mocks god's design and symbol of his love towards his people God has instituted marriage as a symbol of, of, the, of Christ and the church. So as Christ has given his life to protect and cherish the church, so also the husband is to do so for his wife. Similarly, the wife is supposed to be submissive to her husband, just as the church is to Christ. 
And that is what marriage is, is a symbol of what Christ has done for us, right? And, and when we're looking at this, is homosexuality, the destruction it has when it's allowed to run rampant. Um, we have to go, we've got two main passages, and we, and we got to go to Romans 1. <laughs> we got to, that's just everyone, everyone knows this. This is the destruction of a society passage. Um, and Romans 1, starting in verse 18, says this, For the wrath of God is revealed against heaven, or excuse me, from heaven, against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who suppress the truth and unrighteousness because that which is known about God is evident to them for God made it evident to them for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, both his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood through what has been made, has been made. So to, so that they are without excuse for even though they know God, they did not glorify him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their thoughts and foolish in their, and the foolishness of their hearts was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of incorruptible God for an image of the likeness of corruptible man and the birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. And so in these first five verses is the wrath of God, wrath and judgment of God. That's what we see. Everything following these verses is a result of that wrath and judgment. So, so often we read this passage and we read it like backwards, we think that verses twenty-four to thirty-two, which is which bring on God's judgment, uh, bring on God's judgment, but that's not really what the text is saying. The text is saying this is this is God's judgment. God brings His wrath on people and society that have rejected the clear revelation of His nature, which would point them to His word. And we wonder why our school systems have done such a good job, uh, diabolically, may I add, but they've done such a good job of convincing us that God did not create the earth. <laughs> and we even have Christians um, who don't think that God created the earth or that he used an evolutionary system. He didn't design man um, in the image of God. Man became the image of God. Um, it's two totally different things. And so when we deny this, when we allow our society to tell us what uh what is happening versus scripture um, God will then bring forth his wrath on people. And he does it in stages as we see here. And so we see in verse 21 that though they know God, they choose to reject him in an attempt to steal his glory. And that's why I said like, you know, when you look at this passage of scripture, it really at the end, profess me wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the likeness of corruptible man and the birds and four-footed animals. The exchange of the glory of an incorruptible God for an image in the likeness of corruptible man. And we can see this so, so, so blatantly. For since the creation of the world is invisible attributes, both eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. So we can, we can see this clearly. It's hard to walk outside and not think that someone made all this, especially when we are created in the image of God and we create things all the time. And yet we somehow think that, God, that it created itself and that some piece of soup, God said, that'll eventually be in my image. I don't buy that. God created man in his image and sin corrupted that image. Sin brings forth death. And for evolution to be true, there has to be death before sin. And thus, you don't believe that Adam sinned, which wouldn't surprise me. Um, or Adam was the first sin because you don't believe any other part of scripture. <laughs> so I bring all that about evolution in because we've seen that it not only corrupted the school systems, but it's corrupted Christians as well to think this and to buy this. And to not think of the implications, they base one Hebrew word, they take one Hebrew word and they distort it and try to figure out what else it means and then base an entire theology off of another interpretation of a Hebrew word. And they try to change the entire Bible to say something different. And we wonder why there are so many who attempt to steal God's glory, who are trading the incorruptible glory of God 
the glory of his 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 word what he says his law they trade that so that way we can be in the likeness of corruptible man we can just follow what man does what society does let's be of the birds and the four-footed animals and crawling creatures you ever heard of the furry movement We are under the judgment of God. And when we reject him, which is what we see in these first few verses here, we now go down the spiral. Verses 24 to 25 says this, Therefore God gave them over the lust of their heart. So we see they rejected him, so God gave them over. Lust of their heart to impurity, so that their bodies would be dishonored among them, for they exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who has been blessed forever. It's a sexual revolution. That happened, you know, what is it, in the 60s, 70s? And that's what we're seeing right here. The sexual revolution that has over-sexualized our culture. I mean... Pornography is rampant. It's rampant. Twitter has hardcore pornography on it. That's why I don't do Twitter. <laughs> Instagram's not much better. We use Instagram in this ministry to, to share our podcast and that. But I took it off my phone. It was getting to be too much. Why have that that heat of temptation on your phone right in front of you? With the internet, the access to the mind-degrading evil that is pornography, which has all been a part of this sexual revolution to now, we're dishonoring among ourselves. We're dishonored among ourselves. Our hearts are are handed over to the lust of our impurity. And even as Christians, we can fall into this, can we not? (laughs) The, The world pushes and pushes. This, this sexual pleasure to chase sexual pleasure over everything else. Notice your identity is never in Christ. It's in how you prefer to have sex. Your identity isn't even in your job anymore. It used to be your identity was in your work. You know, what do you do? John, tell me about yourself. Well, I work at blah. When I was in the army, it was, you know, what do you do? Well, I'm in the army. Okay, what do you do in the army? I'm an infantryman. Well, what do you do in the infantry? Well, I'm a sniper, right? I mean, there was a, a clear progression. My my identity in the army was what job I did. It's where I went, it's who I hung out with. Um, identity is a big thing. Now, my identity overall was in Christ, obviously. But when we support, when we sanction into groups, and that's what we're doing here. Now, our identity is to be in our sexual preferences, You know, this whole LBGTQ acronym is our, that's what it is. Lesbian, bisexual, gay, trans, right? And the the acronym will never end. It'll just continue. That's why there's a plus on the end of it, because now people can identify sexually however they want. Identifying as them, which doesn't make any sense to me. I, I I don't even want to pursue research because I don't find it to be prudent at all. But I, we see this clearly that the sexual revolution brought this on. But when you follow your lusts, when you follow this, it never stops. This this is not a um, a fire that can be quenched, right? You can't just have a little bit of it and stay there. It continues to go down. You have to go down the path. Your flesh wants to continue to go down that path, which is what happens when we pushed and we chased our sexual lusts and our sexual pleasures. It's okay now to have sex outside of marriage culturally. Um, The sexual revolution overemphasized sex, and we pushed and we pushed, and what happens? When we chased that, for verse 26, for the reason, for this reason, God gave them over to dishonorable passions. For their females exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. And in the same way, also males abandoned the natural function of 
of the female and burned. There we go. Burned in their desire toward one another. Males with males committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. Notice again, God gave them over. So we push and push and push and push and push the sexual revolution. And even during that time, homosexuality was seen as a sin, as a societal sin. I mean, they didn't care about that it was a sin against God, but they saw it as, a, as an, a, not a norm. Now it's forced down our throats because God opened that hand again, that door. There, there's some sort of restraining hand or restraining doors in a society against sin. And when they push and push on that door, God will open that door of wrath on them. And they don't think it's wrath. They think it's freedom. There's, there's this promise of that it's freedom, but it's not. And they're enjoying the heat, right? They're enjoying their warmth. They're they're the the frog in in the um, in the pot that's just slowly heating up. They're enjoying the wrath that is building again, the boiling wrath that is burning against them. That next stage is the homosexual revolution. Pursuing outside, pursuing sex, not just outside of the marriage covenant, but now outside of the natural sexual relations. I mean, the stick goes in the hole, right? <laughs> I mean, if you never, if you didn't know anything about, you know, if you ever had the birds and bees talk, there's a natural way these things happen, Right. But now, that natural way, that natural law, because of sin, is being distorted. Not just in um, outside of the marriage covenant, but now outside of the natural law, the natural way things happen. And we see that they receive, receiving in their own persons, a due penalty for their error. I don't understand why this is such a, a weird thing to say. AIDS, monkeypox, STDs, receiving in their own persons the due penalty for their error. In this world, we face consequences for our sins. If I were to go and cheat on my wife, and she left me, and then I would lose my job in ministry, right? I would, my family, though they would still be my family, would reject me. Any other Christian I've ever had in contact with would reject me. Um, I would have to go through church discipline. If I murdered someone, I'd go to jail or face a death penalty, depending on what state I'm in. I mean, these are the natural consequences of sin on this earth. Right? This is a natural consequence of sin. You want to pursue homosexual relationships and you get AIDS? Well, guess what? It didn't come from monkeys. <laughs> it came from this. This is God's penalty for your error. And then the last door we see here, starting in verse 28, and just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them over to an unfit mind to do those things which are not proper, having filled, having been filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, violent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. And although they know the righteous requirements of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but they give hearty approval to those who practice them. The last door we see in the destruction of society is the mental health judgment. 
and we see this problem, do we not? Every time you know you turn on the news, they talk about the mental health crisis. I see it every single day at work. I work at the Niagara Gospel Mission, which is a, a Christian rescue mission um, for homeless, for anyone in need. And a lot of the people in need have mental health issues. Could there be anything more clear of an unfit mind than a man who thinks he's a woman or thinks he's a dog? Have we not seen people being filled with murder and abortions, mass shootings? I mean, just go through this list. Talk about having an unfit mind. Unrighteousness, wickedness, greed. Well, guess what everyone wants to establish? A socialist society, which takes away money from those who earned it to give to themselves. And you always hear, well, I want them to pay their fair share, right? If you want to talk about fair share, maybe we should go to a flat tax. I don't know. Full of murder, envy. Again, envy. They have it and I don't. And I want it. I should have it. And the government should force them, since they have a gun, to give it to me. Murder. Abortion. Mass shootings. God's judgment on a society is giving them or allowing them to be put into an unfit mind. Sin drags you into this unfit mind. When you don't fight your sin, if, if, you, if you have a problem with lust and you don't fight that, at the lust part. And you allow it to go into porn. And you don't fight that there to go to go push it back. Well, eventually it's going to go from porn to cheating on your wife. And if you don't fight it and repent and now tell your spouse what you did and, and, and seek reconciliation for the church or with the church and with your wife. And you don't, you don't fight it back to the lust part. Well, then it goes to divorce having multiple partners and maybe even into this into homosexual sin or, or experimenting into that and it leads you down this dark path where eventually you're someone no one wants to be around because you have an unfit mind you're you're just you're a nasty person you're full of strife deceit malice right well as a society the same thing happens as we seek sin as we as we dive headfirst into sin we don't we, we start to see this stuff in people. We now have a system of wickedness and of greed and of envy. And we want to establish a government that surrounds itself in our greed and our envy of other people. Right? We want to take away a cultural day of rest on a Sunday to, to, to just produce more. You know, I, I think both socialism, socialism, in my opinion, is a violation of four commandments. So I don't, I don't believe that it is a, is a good system of governance. Um, but even capitalism, which is based on a lot of biblical principles, when it's given over to the love of money, which is the root of all evil, we have greed in people. We have people who won't help other people because that's their money. I got mine. I'm looking out for number one, right? So they're willing to take away the day of rest, the Sabbath, to, to get more money. And our society gets this, this murder. I mean, we have, kid, we have kids playing video games that are they, they can actively murder innocent people through another character. And they see this, and we wonder why they've grown up in a society where people murder their babies, and it's fine. And then they go in and they shoot up a school, which is tragic. But we never stop to think, how did they get there? How did our society get to that point? No, we just continue to push. We just continue to push this, this sinful self-identity. Strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips. When you, <laughs> when you meet someone who is a uh, gender queer activist or whatever they call themselves, right? You see greed, 
you see envy, you see strife, malice. Anyone I've ever seen who has a coexist bumper sticker and a seeking peace with the communist black fist, right? I've never I've never seen these people to be happy people. The people who scream the most for tolerance are those who are the most intolerant. What about our media? Strife, deceit, malice, gossip, slanders, violence, hating God. That is our media. That is a, you know, arrogant, boastful, <laughs> right? I mean, this is our media right here. This this literally describes the current media state in America. Strife, deceit, malice, gossips, slanderers, haters of God, pushing violence, which says violent, but they push violence, arrogant and boastful. And our society continues to invent new evil. Our school systems can be described this way. Disobedient to parents without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, and unmerciful. Parents don't encourage kids to be obedient, or excuse me, school systems don't encourage children to be obedient to their parents anymore. They encourage you to reject what your parents are teaching you and to follow them. And this one, unloving, right? Well, you would say, well, isn't it unloving for you to tell a uh, a gay person that they can't pursue their homosexual relationship? Isn't that unloving? Who are you to say that they don't love that person? I am no one to say they don't love that person. But the Bible is. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which is the love chapter, as we call it, there's a forgotten verse. And that's verse 6 of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It says this. It, talking about love, does not rejoice in unrighteousness. Unrighteousness is homosexuality. Here's another one. But rejoices in the truth. Where do we get the truth from? From the word of God. What does the truth say? That homosexual relationships are sin. It is not loving. They do not love each other because we get our definition of love not from a culture, but from the Bible. The Bible is our standard. And although they know the righteous requirements of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but give hearty approval to those who practice them. Um, have we seen that? Not just hearty approval, but a force. They know that gender reassignment surgeries are extremely damaging to people. Yet, they want to make a law where the kids don't have to tell their parents. They got to get parents permission to take an Advil, but not to uh, chop off their penis. Or take hormone blockers. Inviting pedophiles to dance in front of children in public schools is dangerous and insane. Yet, they force conformity and approval. If you're famous and you disagree with this agenda, you're canceled. If your company, if you're if you are at a company that subscribes to this and you speak out against it, you're fired. We are under the judgment of God in this nation. We are under his wrath. The ungodly in our nation are under his wrath currently. Not his wrath stored up on judgment day. But it says right here, the wrath of God is poured out on the ungodly. Boom, says it right there. Here's another scripture that I want to read. I'm going to read the scripture and then explain why I read it. <laughs> this is Genesis 19, 30 through 35. And Lot went out, went up from Zor, or Zoar and stayed in the mountains and his two daughters with him. For he was afraid, for he was afraid to stay in Zoar 
and he stayed in a cave. Reason he's afraid is because he just watched cities consumed with fire and brimstone as God judged Sodom and Gomorrah. He and his two daughters, the, when the firstborn said to the younger, our father is old and there is not a man on earth to come into us after the manner of the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine and let us lie with him that we may perceive or preserve our seed through our father. So they made their father drink wine that night and the firstborn went in and lay with her father and did not know when she lay down or when, or when she arose. Now it happened on the following day that the firstborn said to the younger, Behold, I lay last night with my father. Let us make him drink wine tonight also. And you go in and lie with him that, that we may preserve our seed through our father. So they made their father drink wine that night also. And the younger arose and lay with him. And he did not know when she lay down or when she arose. So you're thinking, what does that have to do with the LBGTQIA plus agenda? The kind of perversion, this kind of perversion is not acceptable in our society. Fathers sleeping with their daughters is gross and vile that Lot's daughters did that to him, right? And if that's what you're thinking, you're right. Even if you're not a Christian who saw this and and you just want to hear what Christians have to say about homosexuality, um, you're like, yeah, no, that's gross. That should not be allowed. It is because their father, what, so how did they get to this point? How did they think this was okay? Well, their father was was at the city gates. He was he was a leader in Sodom. He sought their approval. He was involved in the culture of death, and he never called it out. And we read that in verse 19. We read that in 19.1 that Lot was sitting at the gate, He was in a, which at the time was seen as a cultural leadership position. He never called it out. He never separated himself from society. He never sanctified his wife by guarding her because she looked back and became – and she got consumed with the, 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 this – of what the destruction that was happening. She became a pillar of salt, right? He allowed his daughter to become unequally yoked. They were engaged to unbelievers and carnal men. They observed their father who instead of protecting them and shepherding them – became an advocate not only for this culture, or maybe he thought, well, you know, because we read the righteous lot. I mean, we read that, I believe it's in Second Peter. And it talks about him, even though he was in the society, it, it grieved him. Please give me a couple seconds here. I'll try to get to that scripture passage. Yeah, here we go. For God did not spare angels who sinned, the Noah. Okay, and if he condemned, here we go. Second Peter 2, chapter 6. For if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to destruction by reducing them to ashes, having made them an example to those who live ungodly lives thereafter, and if he rescued Lot, uh, and if he rescued righteous Lot, oppressed by the sexual conduct of unprincipled men, for by what he saw and heard that righteous man, while living among them, felt his righteous soul tormented day by day, day after day, by their lawless deeds. And the Lord knows how to rescue a godly man from trial and to keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment, especially those who go after the flesh and its corrupt lust and, <clears throat> and despise authority. Righteous lot. So obviously we read here that his soul was tormented Yet he feared man over God. He stayed. His soul was tormented, but he probably saw that his wife and kids, how much they were enjoying that society, is probably a prosperous society financially, right? So he allowed his, his wife, he didn't shepherd her to show the wickedness in the society. He didn't separate his family from this. His daughters were unequally yoked. They were engaged unbelievers. So is he surprised when his family acts the way they did? 
He allowed them to be influenced by this culture. He didn't protect them. He didn't show them the vileness of it. Are we doing the same thing? Are we disgusted by the society around us and yet we won't call it out because of the fear of man over God? I venture to say that we are. We are under the judgment of God as a nation. And as you read in Genesis 19, you see that these these men, two angels, and where the most <clears throat> men fall on their faces when they, they see these angels, right? This is in Genesis 19. These men strive to rape them. Most men feared they strive to rape. This is what the sin of open sexual acceptance does in our society. And it will eventually bring the destruction of our nation. And before you say, well, isn't homosexuality and abortions sins just like every other? Remember that all sin is equal in condemnation, but not in penalty. God didn't consume entire cities because someone lied. Because of lying politicians, that would happen a long time ago, <laughs> right? But when the sin of homosexuality and sexual perversion are allowed to fester, It will bring the destruction of America. I don't want to see America destroyed. But we need to repent. We need to be like um, Nineveh and repent of our sin. And so what do we do? What do we do? Instead of being like Lot, let's teach our families that this is a destructive sin and it is dangerous. Let's guard our families. I'm not sending my kids to public education. Why? Because this is what they're teaching them. And I don't want my children to end up confused because they are my responsibility. How about let's start as men of God with not being ashamed of the gospel for it is the power to save Romans 1, 16 to 17, which is put above the destruction of society. That's where we are to be not ashamed of the gospel. And part of the gospel is calling out sin. Noah preached repentance a preacher of righteousness preached repentance for 120 years before a single raindrop fell. And the only people who were saved was his family. Jonah refused to call people to repentance, but ran from God. He was eventually spit up. in Nineveh to warn people of the destruction to come. Let us be like him, or let us not be like him <laughs> and refuse to go to Nineveh. Let's go to Nineveh without God forcing us there and warn people of the destruction to come, calling them to repentance of their sin. It is only through the gospel that we'll see a reversal in this land. We cannot and will not see revival unless we call out sin and point people to the only way that sin can be reconciled. And that is through Christ and his sacrifice on a cross. The fact that he died for you. That he came down. He, 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 he didn't stay up in heaven and watch just the utter destruction of all of humanity. But he came down to live a life under the law. To, to be born of a virgin so he didn't have that sin nature, but, but to, to live that perfect life, not sinning once, so that way he could be the perfect sacrifice for sin. And all you must do is repent of your sin, turn to him, trust him, believe in him. 
believe that he conquered death by raising from the grave three days later. Trust him with your salvation, knowing that you're a sinner. And those of us who are Christians, we need to call people to this. But let us remember that without God's grace, we'd be in the same boat. Let's be humble, not proud. There was nothing in you that God saw to choose you. Rather, it was for his own glory. This humility should drive our witness. And so with that, I'm going to wrap this up. Um, you can find us on Facebook at The Godly Grunts. Find us on Instagram at The Godly Grunts. Uh, our email is thegodlygrunt at gmail.com. Our website is thegodlygrunts116.wixsite.com slash my-site. Uh, we are part of the Fide Fellowship, which is a fellowship of uh, podcasts. If you want to go on their site and uh, see other podcasts that are like-minded, um, this Monday, so tomorrow, uh, we will be having our second Godly Grunt Veteran Support Group. If you live in the Niagara region um, and you want to come to a veteran support group, whether you're American or Canadian, uh, you just come on over to Niagara Community Church which is uh, 10500 Cayuga Drive in Niagara Falls. Um, and every other Monday evening, starting at 6.30, we have a veteran support groups. And so if you'd like to support um, homeless veterans in Niagara Falls, um, you can do so by donating to the Niagara Gospel Mission. So just go to niagaragospelmission.org and uh, click Give Today. And so I hope that you enjoyed this. Hope this was edifying to your faith. Uh, be strong in the word. Don't be ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power to save. And until next time, climb for his glory. <laughs>